Hachi! Ha! <laughs> Rangers and residents of Angel Grove, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am yeah. your host, Grav, and with me is my lovely co-host, Kennedy. What's up? And of course, we've got our guest co-host, Mr. Brandon Buchanan. I have always wanted to be introduced as the lovely and talented something, but it hasn't worked out yet. I've got to get more talented. <laughs> <laughs> How are y'all doing? We're doing great. How have you been? I was just living my life, and then you called me like, listen, we've got to talk about Green with Evil. And I'm thinking, like, movie? Am I thinking ad campaign? No, it's the seminal arc in the history of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Basically, would you agree, like, right. this is the most famous Power Rangers story arc? I, I yes. mean, I think, you know, this might be a bit of, like, uh, I, we're dating ourselves as, like, getting older, but yes. <laughs> like, I'm sure if you asked a 12-year-old, they would not say yes. They would reference some other thing that happened in, like, Dino Thunder or whatever. But, like... <laughs> you know who was still kicking in fucking Dino Thunder? fucking tommy oliver and this is where he gets his start as the og fucking it's true it's true so, hey i gotta know. say the best part about this is that like this is the arc that pretty much got all 90s kids into like tiger shulman's karate and like adults into like taibo and shit yo real shit so, like my, this was it my older cousin spent two years trying to learn that kick Spent two years fucking working <laughs> out and practicing the kick in the mirror. You, the fucking Green Ranger kick that he spams where he does the fucking back kick and the fucking knee goes up. And he's like, he was doing all that shit for literally two full years training to get it. Um, oh, my God. Hilarious. Amazing. All of us. I'm not going to lie. Could... He inspires me. Like, seriously, like watching this dude do it. He inspires me to be a martial artist. I've always, always wanted to learn, like, some sort of martial art, and I think that has to do with the Power Rangers. I think the two biggest parts of my of um, Power Rangers overall, the two biggest ones, is this arc, just because, like, the show was gonna pretty much, like, was not doing hot right, in ratings this, and this stuff. This is what I really wanted to talk about, you know, is this part in particular, because, like, it's, you know, like I was saying to Brandon, you know, just before the show, it's like we were just talking about this. Some people might not remember, you know, uh, things being this way, but it used to be that shows like a, a season was not necessarily funded all in one go um, for a lot of TV shows. So, like, they would fund you to, like, start making a season, and then depending on how it was going, maybe they'd be like, okay, wrap it up kind of quick, or they might be like, make 60 episodes, like what ended up happening with Power Rangers, right? So, like, the Power Rangers was in this, like, people look at it in the arc, and they say, oh, this was, like, early into the first season, like, they couldn't have been struggling with the show, except, like I say, they literally were on the verge of being like, okay, we're gonna have you just do a couple more episodes and wrap this. Um, and, uh, instead what happened was they just, they just went for the, the, the biggest grab they could, like, like in response to like their, their struggles with the ratings, they're just like, let's do an epic five part episode. Let's be more ambitious than ever before. Let's hire a guy who's actually legitimately good at martial arts to be one of the stars. Like, let's go all out and like make this 
fucking green with evil thing, and it's incredible because it's like it's this massive like story arc that again it's like this is how they were supposed to save this show <laughs> is it something like this and it but it totally worked and when you watch it you can see why you can see how people would have tuned into this and said whoa i gotta t- i gotta get every part of this i gotta keep watching this is wild every time it's going to be continued you're just like i gotta have the next one <laughs> yeah realistically like the only time we've ever seen this throughout television history it's like you'll see something like roots. It's like roots. It's roots for our generation. <laughs> Brandon, you you're gonna have to explain that. Roots was the miniseries about slavery that ran in uh, the 1960s or 70s with LeVar Burton, and he's kidnapped and he's brought into slavery and he survives as a slave. He has the future generations. It was a five night thing. It was like the highest rated thing in television history. But anyway, yeah. So the equivalent of yeah. green with evil. <laughs> like the only frame of reference I have for something similar like this is um, Fringe. Because in season four of Fringe, season four of Fringe was bad. It was by no means a good season. Even if you cut out all the chaff and like use a filler guide or something, it's still not that great of a season until like the very end of it. But they were going to straight up just cancel it after that season. And that show kept getting on the verge of cancellation. So I think it was J.J. Abrams. He was basically like, hey, let's I'm going to pitch this one off episode that I want season five to be. And we'll wrap it up like that cleanly. And when we sell it to other networks, we're going to sell it as a hundred episode series. So they did it like I think it was like episode 19 of season four or something like that where basically it had this dystopian future alternate reality, and it worked. Uh, the fans loved it. The viewers loved it. Ratings bumped up for that one, and uh, they did their season five, but they still only did up to, like, 100 episodes. They couldn't explain further things, so they had a limited amount of time. But, yeah, for some reason, it's always, like, it, it's always a small extension in my mind when it comes to that stuff. It's never, like, we're going to do a Hail Mary, and the show is just going to go on forever. You know, it's more or less we're going to do a Hail Mary and we're going to give it a proper ending. Right. Like Sense8, right. for example, like that's another good example of like where the the seasons were so good that they were like, OK, OK, OK. Instead of canceling it, let's just do like a two hour movie to wrap things up and stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, and but this is like this is an incredible Hail Mary. I mean, I could definitely think of other examples of things like this, um, you know, where like shows have like thrown these kinds of Hail Marys and it's worked out like we're saying. But this is one of the most impressive. And like like you said, part of the reason why it's most impressive is because it's, you know, they didn't they didn't assume that like they needed to maybe do a clean ending. They were like, no, we're people are going to watch this and they're going to ask for this show to go on forever. And it's true. It's like this is only like what Green with Evil starts like 15 ish episodes into season one and season one ended up being extended all the way to 60 fucking episodes so clearly it worked yeah it's important to note too that green with evil is not like episode 12 or 13 or or like 10 or something early in the season where they were like nah, you know whatever it's really it like tanked super hard this was like episode 17 of a weekly show so there was all it was already getting long-winded and like our viewing guide has a couple of episodes that take place before this that are, like, within canon reasons. And I think, like, Kennedy and I have different opinions about that, but um, at least as to what episodes is the worst. 
Um, but uh, like I think we both agree that pre Tommy, the good episodes that were there was like the intro and maybe one or two other episodes that were kind of flukes. But for the most part, after this arc, everything like just went super high. Like the quality of the writing got so much better. The character development got so much better. The action sequences, the Zords, the fights, you know, everything. Everything rose from like being like uh, a four out of 10 or a five out of 10 episode on average to being like a seven or eight. And that's huge, right? In, in a in a series that lasts like 60 episodes for, for one season. Do y'all feel like the show's characters are balanced, like in terms of the screen time they get or the stories that are told about them? Because I, you know, I watched the show all the time as a kid, but now I'm going back and I'm watching this arc and I'm like, in a, in a vacuum, Tommy and Jason, it's played up how kind of similar they are. Um, mm -hmm. do, do y'all, do y'all feel like as the show went on, the other characters got an adequate amount of shine? Oh, absolutely. After this, it's like before the Tommy arc, it's like a little bit more balanced. Like pretty much every character gets like a little bit of special treatment at some point before this arc. It's not like necessarily balanced between them, but there's like at least a little bit of attempt to balance. After Tommy's introduced, it's like, haha, it's the Tommy show. What are you talking about? Like these other characters do not need to be developed. Shut up. <laughs> Yeah, and like maybe that's 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 a that's a point to make in the in like the in a future episode of Sentai Truther Club when we're discussing the season. But I won't um, be here for all of them, so you going I'm interested <laughs> in this now, and it's important to the development of the Tommy character. So yeah, but I will say prior to this, I did feel like it was balanced, and now with Green with Evil, everything is just like all eyes on Tommy. Yeah, and so like in the context of like everything that happened before, I think Kennedy is right. I think it is. Very balanced. I remember being a kid and thinking like, wow, you know, it's always geared around the Red Ranger. But like even according to our filler guide here, most of the episodes are still extremely balanced and they give a lot of shine to a lot of the characters. Like a lot of the characters will get that episode where it's all about them and it's great. You know, it's not like fantastic writing every time, but it's still pretty good to see because the characters, you know, have their yeah. own personality. They're not just one note, which I think is important, especially for a kid's show. Definitely, definitely. Oh, wait, before we get into this, I have one more random question. All right. Okay. Power Rangers or Gundam Wing? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to say Power Rangers. In terms of what? Uh, Just which one do you personally like? What stirs your heart the most? That doesn't have to be necessarily objective quality. Just which one is nearer to your heart? I'll start. So I think I have a weird, I had a weird taste in kids shows. So, like, I liked Superman a lot, and Superman was my favorite yeah. hero to the point where I bought Superman 64. Like, my father got me Superman 64 Ooh. as a gift. And wow. I tried so hard to play that game, like, to the point where I was inviting my stepdad to, like, play <laughs> multiplayer in Superman 64. Oh, like, that's God. how much of a Superman simp I That's why these fucking publishing companies are fucking ass. They get those licenses, and it's licenses that, like, kids, like, genuinely care about. And so they spend their money on fucking bullshit because they fucking have emotional attachments and love Superman and the fucking quality is not there, bro. <laughs> it's really disgusting. But anyway, go ahead. If a character didn't have superpowers, I wasn't really interested. Batman, Batman, the animated series, I did not like at all when I was a kid. I thought it was boring. I would fall asleep to it. 
And Gundam Wing was that same thing. In fact, I didn't like Gundam Wing until Endless Waltz came out. The movie Endless Waltz came out and it got like super action-y and everything. And they stopped discussing politics and shit. And it and it was just more about giant mecha robot versus giant mecha robots. And like motherfucker suddenly unlocks a super mode. And then uh then that's when I got into it. And then uh Toonami was like G Gundam, which was like it was just like Dragon Ball Z and Gundam put together. So like they would be like, erupt like it was like uh what was it? This hand of mine glows with an awesome power. Its loud roar tells me to grasp victory. Erupting, burning finger! You know, just like shit like that. Like when it was like that shit, I was all over it. I was all fucking over it. But yeah, man, when when Gundam Wing was too like, I am an emo depressed kid. Uh, Right. (laughs) But as as a kid, like I was of an age where Power Rangers was like, I guess like the first action cartoon type show that I'd ever seen. And I think that was why it was mind blowing for a lot of people and why we would sometimes watch the fucking superhuman samurai cyber squad, VR troopers, all that other bullshit. Cause it was like our first action cartoon or whatever. Gundam wing was really interesting to me, I guess for the same reasons that you were bored by it. I was a little bit older and I was thinking now this this is the thinking man's action cartoon. <laughs> like, like, yeah, they do yeah, all the action, sure. but then they're then they're sad. I've never seen and you know, what was the most intellectual thing I had seen as a kid at that point? Like maybe fucking Star Wars. So this was like my first fucking morally ambiguous I'd seen Watership Down or whatever, but you know, my first morally ambiguous action thing. They they, they do the murder and they're like, oh, this is so sad. <laughs> I was like, wow, it is sad. I'm interested. And also Dragon Ball Z should be somewhere in between those two. Uh, but that's a whole, for a black person, Dragon Ball Z is a whole different conversation. But uh, Yo, Piccolo? Piccolo? Yeah, boy, black, I don't know what it was, why why Negroes just love Dragon Ball Z. I've, I've never always met wondered a- about that. I've, always, I've never, I've, I've never had, just, I just want to say never, this. Never, yep. I, there's, there, there, there are, no generalizations that I can make about the black right. people I've known, except, except one, which is I've never had a black friend that wasn't a Dragon Ball Z fr- fan. I don't know what to say. I've ne- <laughs> I have never met a black man it's, that did not like Dragon Ball Z. We just it's among Hispanics too. Not yeah. it's, it's it's a it's important for my culture too. If you grew up around Dragon Ball Z and you were a minority, you fucking loved it. I don't know why. Maybe it was the there was. It was just fucking cooler. Like Vegeta, like if you think about it like that, Vegeta's fucking cooler than anybody <laughs> on Power Rangers. Like whatever, like Goldar, he's whack. Like Lord Oh, Zed. when you said cooler, I assumed you meant Frieza's older brother. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a whole conversation that I, that should be an episode. We should get the black podcast community and just do a conference on DBZ. I bet Aaron would fucking love to do it. Fucking. Okay, can DBZ we can conference. we organize a panel on that? Because I want to watch that. I want to watch that panel. I want to. I want to be there too. Yeah, you can be on it. Yeah, there we'll needs to be it. a round table. I'm sorry for totally. We've got to get back into the Green Ranger. But those are two vital. Say, those are two vital cultural conversations that I wanted us to have. So I wanted to. I wanted to talk about the comparison of Power Rangers and Gundam just for a second because that's an interesting one for me because. Both of them 
are shows that I have a strong emotional relationship with in terms of my childhood. Like, uh, as I mentioned on the first episode of this show, like Power Rangers was super important to me growing up and was like a huge part of like confidence building for me. Um, Like just like there were like a lot of different aspects of the show that like I just like adopted that into my own like attempts to like be more confident and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, so like, that was like a big thing. And, uh, I do feel really strongly about that, but I also, one of the most striking impressions of watching television as a child that I remember period, uh, is the episode of Gundam wing. Um, when, uh, I can't think of his name, but like one of the main characters hero. Yeah. Yeah. He, definitely hero. When Hero is, like, offering, like, to all of uh, that guy's family members to kill him. Like, he's going, he's going to, like, try to atone with all, to all of his family members. And he's like, I, I should not have done this. I should not have killed this guy. I'm so sorry. Uh, you can have my life if you want it. And, like, he's just, like, doing that with, like, all of his, like, living relatives. And it's so fucking emotionally intense. And I was, like, 12 years old or something watching this, like, whoa! Like, <laughs> you know, just, like, I might have even been younger than that. I don't really remember. But I was just watching it, like, like just, just like, my mind was just blown by, like, the sheer raw emotional intensity of it. So that's, like, that I can't choose between these two things, Brandon. You're asking me to make an impossible choice. I think the thing is, I think the reason is because Toonami never showed Neon Genesis Evangelion, like Gundam Wing was like our Neon Genesis Evangelion, right? Because right. it was like the depressed teen or whatever, but like Ooh. in the whole like emotional emotions and everything, that stuff never came over here. Only in the form of Gundam Wing did it. And so I think that's why Gundam Wing has such a high regard over here in America. Versus in Japan, people just fucking hate it. They're like, this show sucks. Like, this is one of the worst Gundams <laughs> in America. I mean, just is, lap it it's up. It's objectively bad compared to other Gundams that have been made, especially since then. Like, that's not even a question. Um, but, like, at the time that it came out, you know, like, put into the context of its time, it's definitely a thing. Also, here's my spicy take. Here's my spicy take. Uh, I actually watched Evangelion at a young age um, because uh, I had um friends whose parents were just like movie and tv obsessed and had like a massive collection of shit and so like we would just all go over there to watch shit anytime we could you know uh and a lot of it was like bootleg vhs's because this is like the 90s early 2000s you know <laughs> i watch evangelion at a young age and i to this day i've watched them both as an adult too gundam is cooler fight me <laughs> <laughs> But that's just an aside. But speaking of big robots, Green with Evil, let's talk about it. So, again, this is this incredible arc that sort of uh, introduces the Green Ranger, Tommy, changes the, the sort of direction of the show forevermore. And again, Tommy is this character who is played by um, this guy who's actually good at martial arts. So, like, unlike the other guys who are just, like, being trained to do these fight scenes and, like, doing their best, like... This guy, like, every time you see him on camera, it's like, oh, shit, it's on. <laughs> like, you know, every time he's in one of these fights, it's just like a whole nother level. So th and that's how it starts is is a fight between him and Jason is like where Green with Evil starts well, in the first. Actually, episode. more actually, or less, more or less. It, yeah. The actual yeah. start is Rita. She's standing on the tower. She's like, it's time <laughs> to destroy the Power Rangers. I've got a great idea. I'll use one of the kids. And why would you use one of the kids? 
to eradicate human. It seems like a weakness I, in the plan. I well, guess. I feel like it's like a. I, I feel like it's sort of maybe almost like a Stockholm-ish thing. That's not really sure. the best word, but it's like a thing where she's she keeps getting her ass kicked by teenagers. So she's that's like, true. maybe, that's maybe, maybe I if good. I have a teenager. Yeah. That's I, actually see, a I, fucking I, great point. I'm of the opinion that she has been like holding back like this whole time. Like she's like, I'm trying to devise a plan. And my whole thing with Rita is that the way I my head canon on all of this is that every week she's applying pressure to the Rangers to see where their weak spot is and like devising a plan in her head on how she can beat them. And with Green with Evil, she's straight up like she thought this through like a thousand percent. And there exists an alternate reality where she succeeded like a thousand percent sure yeah for sure well, well it also helps that zordon and alpha and the power <laughs> rangers they're all very stupid they're all so so stupid definitely okay rita all we ever see in the power rangers is her getting her ass kicked so it's easy to forget that she's a badass right so but the whole thing was it's like she was sealed in the dumpster because she used to be like one of the like the biggest badasses like in the galaxy basically and she used to just like roam around trashing worlds for fun right so when she decides that she's gonna trash earth she says i'm just gonna trash the closest planet so first of all she has no real plan she doesn't know what earth's like you know what i mean like she's just like i'm gonna trash the closest planet i'm out of the dumpster this is my celebration so she points at earth she says fuck you earth i'm gonna fuck your shit up um so so the thing is, is so when you're a super badass like that, and you're used to just trashing planets, no problem. Like, we see this a lot in certain villain tropes, and, like, I think Rita just really exemplifies this. It's like, she's not going to use all her powers in the first day. Like, her thing is, like, I'm a super badass. I should be able to trash this planet without a lot of effort. And, like, as it starts to take her more and more effort, she starts to be like, all right, let me show you what I really got. Let me show you what I really got, you know, and like I was going to say, enter Tommy. Right. And this episode. So part one starts off with a sort of martial arts tournament right. yeah. or like just the yeah, I guess just the small scale uh, citywide tournament exhibition match or something. Yeah. Jason and Tommy are in the in the ring. And this is a big deal because Jason has up till now been the leader. He's been the hero, basically, you know, like um. There, like we said, it was relatively balanced, but Jason had definitely been emphasized a lot as, like, he's, like, that paladin archetype, you know? He's got that moral compass that's kind of unshakable, you know, and things like that. Um, and, like, he also, he's, like, he's the guy who teaches the karate class, right? Like, he, you know, he just, like, exemplifies all of those, like, kind of tropes. And then it's, like, okay, here, suddenly... Jason is in, in the ring with somebody. And not only can he not beat him, but, like, Jason looks like shit compared to him. <laughs> like, yeah. it's so clear that Tommy put in the effort and that Tommy takes this kung fu shit seriously. And Jason's out here like a fucking green belt pretending like he's a black belt. To, to reference some Dragon Ball Z again, it's like, it's one of those fights where it's like Krillin is going at 100%. And, like, he looks like he's holding his own. And then Piccolo's like, all right, let me take off the weights or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> this, yeah. this wasn't a real fight till now. You know, like, like you get the feeling like Tommy isn't even going, like, as hard as he can. Whereas Jason looks like he's literally giving it his all. It's almost like it feels like 
Tommy's being robbed. Because, <laughs> like, Tommy's literally, like, holding back so fucking hard. And he's, like, waiting for Jason to just do his move. And in his head, he's going, Jason, come the fuck on, man. Literally, <laughs> Hit me already. Literally, it goes through this match. And it's four points to each of them at the end. And it's it ends on a tie when time runs out. And so the thing is, it's like, they whoever wrote this scene did it a fucking actually legitimately excellent job by any standards because like grav is saying they literally make every point that tommy feels gets feel like a hundred percent like this is a really well-earned point he earned that with pure skill and every point jason gets it's like that was a slightly shysty point I don't know, that was a little on the edge like i don't know i don't know if that point was really i don't know if that point was really uh is that really uh, I, guess, I guess it's a point you know? <laughs> yeah, it feels like a concession for sure. It's like it's like handing like a TKO or some shit like that, you know? Or like or uh, it's more like handling like a it's like handing out a win by like a set of points. Like ah, you got X amount of jabs landed. It always feels right. bad. Just knock the person out. Kim Kimberly already so, has a crush on Tommy from frame one. Yes, frame there one. There was no building up. She is deal. thirsty. Yeah, Kimberly she is, is just thirsty. instantly thirsty. Who is that? Yep. Can we meet him? <laughs> All right. He's cute. He's cute. Um, and Trini just gives him gives her the look like right. you don't know this guy. <laughs> you also like that one of the very first things that Tommy does is like kind of beat Bulk and Skull's ass while they're trying to like be tough or whatever. Yes, so I love like, the music. They just do everything. And Kimberly, who I who is supposed to be like a kung fu expert and could like easily Not beat expert. both well enough to beat Bulk and Skull. Like Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah but Tommy is allowed to save the day, which is great. Honestly, though, Tommy, like, Tommy didn't even do it, like, as, like, a chivalrous type of thing. Tommy no. doesn't come off as, like, some dude who's, like, doing good stuff for, like, expecting something in return. He seems like an absolutely genuine person. He doesn't seem like a white knight. Like, he just seems, like, genuinely, like, he would just beat up anybody that he saw acting a fool, period. Like, yeah, he's and- actually really good representation. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like, Tommy's a good role model. Yeah, I could say in in this is specifically like within this arc and stuff like he is a pretty good role model all in all. And so just to reiterate, it's like so like within like five minutes or whatever, it's like we've established that Tommy could probably beat Jason in a real fight, um, which is like incredible. We've never seen that before so far in the show. Jason has literally been like the guy who could beat anyone's ass. Um, Tommy is also like instantly attractive to anyone. Um, And. Uh, he's, like, just, like, genuinely, like, moral. Like, he just genuinely seems to have, like, a a real, like, intense moral compass um, that seems to be on par with Jason's, but also sort of, like, with his own characteristics and, like, like, it doesn't just, he doesn't feel, like, just, like, Oh, it's Jason, but green. It's it's Mario, but Luigi. <laughs> you know, like no, it's in the boy band. You know, you have uh, Nick, and you also have AJ. So there, I mean, Nick's like the main guy, but AJ, he's from the streets. He could be the main guy if he had to be, but he's too cool. He's not in the group. He's not in the group projects, man. <laughs> you actually kind of see it too. Like you see it in Jason losing confidence, mm-hmm. and this continues past Green with Evil. Where it's like all of a sudden Jason's just like, Tommy, 
you're the best one out of all of us, right? Like he's the combination of all Rangers' values into one person. And so with that, like Jason looks up to Tommy eventually as well. So this is the first time we've seen character development. Because honestly, like before this, Jason was pretty one note. He always just served as like the leader who's like, all right, guys, it's time for battle. Let's go. You know, that type of stuff. But he was right. he never really had any character development around that. He is like the Mary Sue of the crew that everyone sort of revolves around. Right. So he feels like he always has a presence no matter what, because all the Rangers need him. But the rest of the Rangers have their own dilemmas and struggles, whereas Jason just has not had that sort of stuff till this Green with Evil arc. Yeah, totally. All the other characters definitely have a little bit more conflict before this. And then, yeah, Jason... He loses a lot of confidence during this arc, and like you're saying, it's like he doesn't really get it back right away. And eventually he comes to this point where it's like he can uh, respect the mentorship of Tommy while also having his own confidence. But, like, that takes a while because it's like, dude, you're just literally like a new leader has just rolled in in this arc to just replace you, dog. Like, I don't, was Tommy, was Tommy, Tommy was never like the formal leader of the Power Rangers, though, was he? That's part of where it gets interesting after this arc, for sure, because it's like, there, there's this like weird struggle where like, to, even Tommy will say like, Jason, you're the leader, man. It's like, it's up to you to make the final call sometimes on stuff. And, and Tom, uh, Jason will kind of be like, what are you talking about? You're you're Superman. Like, I, you're Goku. Like, I, <laughs> it's a Superman Batman dynamic, is what I'm kind of seeing here. Yeah. So, so, in the alleyway, um, it's like, so he's beaten Bulk and Skull up, and like, Kim's gone. They're gone. He's all alone, and like, suddenly Rita appears. And I want to call this out in particular because this is a great example of this arc. They did more to make the footage match up with the Japanese shit in this arc than they had ever done before in any of the episodes, and it really shows in moments like this. Like, so they have these two shots where it's like Rita is up on top of a building yelling down about something, and like Tommy's like down on the ground from the alleyway speaking up to her. And like, if you didn't know that this was from two different things, you just wouldn't know. Like, it just looks like one thing, you know, it's like, and there's a lot of stuff like that in Green with Evil where like this really seamless transitions that you just don't even see. I'm more struck by how regular Tommy adjusts to malevolent alien life. Like I would be, uh, he just goes straight to be the ass. He doesn't like stop and go, what the fuck is a putty? What is happening? Uh, there are aliens. They're fighting me. Like, I feel like I would be so stunned that I would get a few a few <laughs> nope. looks would be gotten on me. Not this guy. Here to fight. And then afterwards, he's just like, um, man, why me? I was going to say, it's important to note that uh, he does not win the putty fight. So he actually gets like engulfed by the putties. And then uh, he gets captured by Rita and put it gets put into like this cocoon um, when they cast the spell. Yeah. And so he wakes up from the cocoon, but you can tell... That it's not Tommy. Right. <laughs> like, it's clearly someone else with a different haircut and everything. Right. Uh, and then the footage just, like, goes, oh, <laughs> nope, it's Tommy. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Tommy's like, yes, my empress, I will do everything. It is great. I, I do agree about the putty fight. It is great because, again, like, we've seen people fight putties unmorphed. It usually doesn't go that well. And Tommy is just like, <laughs> We'll see about that. <laughs> like, I just love it. I love everything about this whole sequence yeah. of stuff. And then, yeah, so 
Evil Tommy appears, and what is the first thing that Evil Tommy does? He goes to, you know, command center. And Zordon is unplugging. He's like, Zordon, Alpha, I'm going to go to sleep. Um, You make sure that security is turned off so that it's easy for people to get in here and beat me up. Aye, aye, aye. Okay, Zordon. Like, nobody's on the ball here at all. And then so he goes in. He beat, He puts a fucking CD-ROM <laughs> yeah. in Alpha 5. <laughs> It's the, it's the, it's actually the AOL sign up CD. He just sticks it in it there. It is. Yep. Alpha's like, no, fucking no. explosions. Zordon wakes up and it's like, Tommy, you're uh, the sixth ranger who has the ability to enter my palace. I knew about this, but I planned <laughs> no security countermeasures. This is really bad. And Tommy's like, got his ass, you old fool. I'm going to unplug all your fucking buttons. And Zordon's like, don't do that. It would be bad. Tommy, you don't know what you're doing. Zordon's like, don't do that. Tommy, you're owning me. <laughs> you're owning me. No. <laughs> no. And Zordon shrinks into a corn cob right there in the fucking blue bag. Uh, and we don't see him again for a long ass time. Yeah. And so then the, the Rangers kind of realize that something must be wrong. And they try to contact HQ. And nothing happens, so they're like, okay, we have to take our stupid flying car. Can we talk about the flying teleporting? Car? Can we please talk about the flying car? Yeah, so <laughs> I would like to preface this by saying that our filler guy that we have never in, in, had the episode where they made the car. Um, it, it but should. realistically, like, it should. out of all it, of it, these episodes that we've watched, the flying car literally only matters in this one instance of the entire show. It should be included, though. I mean, they obsessively, these filler guides obsessively include, like, every time they get a new piece of new technology or whatever, except for the dang flying car. Come on. I was so confused when they just fly off in this car. I was like, what? Where did... Yeah, not... Now, so, like, they didn't realize something was wrong because until they try to use their communicators. But right. he's, like, washing this Ghostbusters-ass car. <laughs> like, he's, like, getting a rag or whatever. And he tells Kimberly, like, Kimberly and Trini pull up. And he's telling Kim, he's like, hey, guys, you want to wash the car? Huh? <laughs> and- yeah, get a mop. Get your ass to work. And they're like, I don't do that. Fucking washing detergent makes my Yeah, stop itch. it, you sexist piece of, of shit. Damn, Zach. But then they, uh, they. Hey, look, Zach's already putting in work. Zach's doing it. They, they hop in Herbie, and they <laughs> head off uh, to, uh, to the command center. They start uh, saying, "They're like, it's taking too long. We need to get there right now." And then someone hits a button, and they just go, Whoa! and then they park the car inside the command Whoa. center. Not sure exactly why that was the decision that they made, but they just, like, drop it, like, right next to the computer, like, skirt, um, you know, <laughs> just, like, hop out, um, and it, of all of the choice, I don't know, but anyway, um, <laughs> so they get in the command center, and it's like, oh, no, everything's fucked up, Zordon, and, like, they kind of fix Alpha 5, and he's like, everything's fucked up oh no they take the aol cd out of out of alpha 5 (laughs) it's just like things things are just kind of basically as as like we get towards the end of episode one it's like everything's kind of devolving into a huge mess zordon is like gone alpha 5 or like gone-ish he's like they can't really talk to him he's just like hey 
Rangers, I've, you must, like, <laughs> and they're just like, what, what, we must what? I've we must what? Zordon, um, please, we have to know. Everything's fucked up. You didn't tell us anything about the inner workings of anything. Um, uh, and, and, uh. So uh, the the other problem though is that Rita is like she's not just been like sitting around like twiddling her thumbs this whole time. She's like sent Goldar to Earth. She's like scheming up all kinds of kooky plans. So the the Rangers have to like stay in action. And this is actually like a great. I will say like one of the things that Green with Evil does well in general is it's like there's a lot of these moments where the stakes are really high and where it's like. Oh, God, we need to put out this fire, but actually, there's a bigger fire over here. No, we got to run over to the bigger fire. Like, that's really good storytelling. Uh, A lot of, like, the stakes in episodes previous to this haven't really, like, given us that kind of feeling. But, like, Green with Evil really gives you that feeling where it's like, oh, my God, there's so many fires, and which one do we put out? Um, So it's like, as soon as they discover the command center is fucked up, oh, no, we can't stay here. We have to go. Like, the Goldar is destroying shit, you know? (laughs) Like, so it it actually is, like, a really good device, like I was saying. The, The end of episode one is basically just that, like, they have a quick fight with Goldar. Um, and then, like, the Green Ranger kind of, like, inserts himself in the middle of their shit when they think they, like, like, have control of the situation. I think this is the one where they get on top, where the Green Ranger gets on top of the Zord, enters the Zord, and just knocks them the fuck out of the Zord. Yeah, he just, like, kicks them out. And Goldar is retreating. Like, Rita retreats Goldar back to... Like, he literally just pops into their little command room. Like, it's a really... It's actually a really great scene. Like, they have that little command room that, like, when they're inside the Megazord, like, they're all five sitting there with, like, the joystick in their hand. Like, let's go! You know? And and it's like... Like... The, that the should door. so be a gift. <laughs> yeah, we gotta make up, that man. a gift. The door behind them just opens. There's Tommy! And he's just like fuck your shit, and just, like, beats their asses and throws them out of the Megazord. It's unbelievable, honestly. It really is great. Um, and then they kind of, like, it's like, why the- hasn't anybody thought about this before? But I would imagine, like, you need a power coin to enter, that's, and that's yeah, why. Yeah, exactly. I, I I assume it operates on those rules as well. Um, and that's why they're like, what? They just, like, don't even expect this. They're just like, what? Uh, so they fight on the ground. Um, and, and the Green Ranger is just so strong. He's just basically beasting them. The Green Ranger just fucking leaves. Instead of just killing the Power Rangers, he beats their ass and is like, well, this is he cool. He like Kamehameha's them. Yeah, the <laughs> motherfucker does like a black Hadouken. It was wild. Um, it was great. I was like, what What the fuck? Dude, being evil rocks. See, y'all, y'all the in the intro, you were like, is all this DBZ stuff going to relate to anything? But now we've literally referenced it the whole time. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, he like he like hits him with the blast. Um, and then he just leaves him, I guess. It's one of those things where they don't resolve it super well. I checked my notes. And like, it's basically like, the fight just ends and like he's won, and then the next scene is that they're just back at the HQ, um, and they're like, "Oh no, we got our asses beat! Oh no!" And they don't know what to do. Kill the Power uh, Rangers! Just kill them! You've beaten them up. Why? What are you doing, Tommy? Again, Big we don't even know here. because it just cuts straight from him beating them up to them being back at HQ. Uh, it just cuts. So and yeah. and so they're just like they're just like, "What do we do?" 
we don't know what to do. And that's basically where episode one ends is just on like this this deep sense of like fear and confusion on the part of the Power Rangers. And we've never seen them look this distraught and like just clueless before, you know? They've always they've they've had other moments where they couldn't resolve things as cleanly as they wanted to, but they've never had a moment where like they could not you know, they just literally did not know what to do. You know, Zordon's not there. Alpha 5 is relatively useless in most situations. And, like, they're just trying to figure it out. So, episode 2 starts, and basically, like, Billy's trying to, like, fix the command center. The Power Rangers are just, like, kind of trying to figure out what to do in general. Rita is on the move big time and is, like, up to shit. She's working on something called, and there's no ambiguity here about this. what this thing is. It's called, quote, the evil sword of darkness, <laughs> which is a great name for a weapon. This evil sword of darkness actually uh, keeps Tommy underneath the spell. So the, the original spell is temporary, right? Like, I guess there's a time limit. But if she gives him the sword of darkness, he is maintained under Rita's spell. Right. Like, he will do whatever Rita commands. Yeah. So it's like it's like the final binding of the spell or whatever that's going to keep him. So it is a very big deal. And so she's working on that. There's a really good scene where like Tommy is like comes back to Earth and like Bulk and Skull kind of want to like go for round two. But like now Tommy has the fucking Green Ranger coin. So he just like does magic at them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he, he shoots lightning bolts out of his out eyes. Of his eyes onto the ground that then channels to their feet. It's actually pretty magnificent. <laughs> and then they're like, whoa! And he picks him up and throws him in the garbage. After, after this, uh, Jason and Zach, they're talking, they're like, ah, how are we gonna beat, how are we gonna beat him? Well, I don't on. know. Hold on, they're not just talking, they're also training. And I think this is important because Jason is like, you've never seen him hit a bag or train like this in like the show so far and he's always working out so like there's plenty of examples of him like working out and doing this kind of stuff he's like beating the shit out of this heavy bag he is so angry like he's so frustrated it's really good yeah. acting if i'm not, i'm not gonna lie dude no that's why i wanted to draw attention to it most of his acting as you watch the show is him demanding things now we need megazord power now we need the power sword now and then they're in the they're in the fucking center afterwards. I just got my ass kicked. We need answers now. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. it it cuts it cuts to the uh, command center where Billy's like still hard at work trying to get Zordon back. This um, this dude says affirmative instead of yes. When Trini asks him a question, like he doesn't say yeah. He's like affirmative. <laughs> That's his personality. That's his trope. Yeah, and it cuts back to the school where Kimberly confronts Tommy on not meeting up with him uh, when she asked. She was like, yo, props to Kimberly. She was like, DTF. Like, I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think, honestly, dude, 1993, this woman was so straightforward. She was like, hey, if you're interested, why don't you come out with me? You know, we'll just be hanging out with me and my friends and all that other stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, she doesn't show up. So in the first episode, she's, like, torn by yeah. it. She was very sad and everything about it. And now she is, like, wanting to confront Tommy as to why he didn't come because it seemed like he was so interested. Right. And he kind of just says, like, 
at first he just says, I got busy. And she's like, oh, well, okay. And then he's like, the whole world doesn't revolve around you, Kimberly. Yeah. Like, just being totally toxic. Just a toxic asshole. And uh, like, Damn, excuse, excuse me. And she, she leaves. And then Jason, I mean. Tommy. No, she says, like, sorry for living. She or does, some she shit does like lay that. into him just a little bit. Yeah, really I'm good. like, damn, get his <laughs> ass. Like, I'm really glad that she doesn't just run away crying. You know, it's like, that's one of the things that, like, you like about some of these characters is how they stand up for themselves and stuff. And this is what I, it's one of the things I've talked about about this show that I like so much, you know? And it's like, Kimberly's like... They are supposed to be a team of, of teenagers with attitude. They, the attitude is vital. I, I can't believe you said that, Runaway Chris. She's like, she's like you can f- get fucked, buddy, <laughs> and, like, takes off. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. And then, and then as soon as it's over, camera cuts to Tommy. Tommy looks directly into the fucking camera. His eyes start glowing green. He's like, <laughs> got him. <laughs> sure showed her. Got her ass. No. I guess. Got, yeah, got her ass. <laughs> and then. I've only got one woman in my life, and that is my queen. <laughs> yeah, still simping for That's Rita. Right. When I say that, That's too, right. I mean, like, the. Those lines are, some of those lines are really ridiculous. And he just does it over. He's like, my empress. Anything for her. That's what happened to Tommy. <laughs> yeah, so Tommy's he got now canceled, canceled <laughs> as of this scene. Um, yeah. and, uh, uh, but he's leaning into it, you know? So, so then he meets up with Rita on the beach. And this is actually another good scene where, like, they're cutting the footage together pretty well to, like, make it cohesive-seeming. And he's, like, on the beach and, like, uh, Rita and her like people are up on the cliff, like uh, like the beach cliff, like de- looking down on him, judging him. And Rita's like, "You must prove your worth again. Fight some more putties." He's fucking, he's fucking shit up. He's like, ha, ch- ch- ha, and like we've never seen someone fight putties like without some kind of superpower, like being morphed or something, and like do well before, you know. And he's like, yeah. he's like, I, this is my second time fighting putties. I know their strengths and weaknesses. I got this. Yeah, he does this really awkward, like, long jump attack. It plays out, like, how you wouldn't expect it to play out. Like, the way I played it out, I thought, like, he was just going to straight up drop kick him. Like, just, like, <laughs> land on his ass. But, like, he shot his legs out in such a way where it would have, like, hit the other person and just knock their ass out. But he would have also done damage to himself. <laughs> But the way they did the the camera angle cut, he was like launching in the air slow motion and then it cut to like his legs being wrapped around the putty's neck and then bringing the putty down to the 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 sand. So like it was cool. Like if I was a kid I'd be like super hype about it, but like I will I will say that camera angle did not do <laughs> Tommy's martial arts expertise justice. But overall there. it is a good scene. It's a good fight scene. Like he has this like he has this moment where his fist is out and <laughs> he's like, I have the power in his head. You know, <laughs> he's just like, I grab, he has one of those, like, I grab the sand and I can feel how strong I am. <laughs> he is on some major fucking power trip. <laughs> and then he gets rewarded with the sword of darkness and he is just like, fuck yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me, the evil sword of darkness. The evil sword of darkness. Jason and Tommy are supposed to be like working out together. You know, they, they're like meeting up at the school 
and Tommy's like, "Hey, I I can't work out, man. I, I'm 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 a big fucking deal or whatever." And um, Jason's like, "Okay, I guess we'll work out some other time." Um, and like he he doesn't seem too shook about it, whatever. But then as soon as he turns his back, it's like, "Oh, this was all a ruse." And Tommy lures him into the dark dimension. Hits him with a laser beam and then sends him to like an intergalactic <laughs> space cage. Like it's just a little, a little, a little, a little dome, a little mini cage with a lot of smoke, <laughs> like a giant jungle gym with a lot of smoke around it. Yeah. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah. So Jason is pulled into the dark dimension with Goldar and it is pretty funny because Goldar is just rubbing it in fucking Jason's nose. The fact that he got fucking caught with his pants down and Goldar's like, I'm going to fucking torture you now, bitch. And Jason's all like, not if I can help it. I'm like, dude, you're going against like a 10,000 year old or at least anthropomorphic gorilla who has like armor on like heavy ass armor on and a sword. It's a brolic <laughs> six nine monkey with fucking armor and a sword. Um, so yeah, okay, you might say, hey, this is rough for Jason, but I want you to think about this. You're supposed to be the top general of an intergalactic empire, and your reward, you know, for, for a job well done is you get to beat up a literal child. Like, I'm gonna send you this this literal child and like choke slam him and shit, you know, go have fun. Like, if I am an intergalactic, <laughs> you know, general or whatever, go get go get me some hoes. What are we doing? I want, like, I want top shelf drugs. Talking what about beating Come up on. a child. Um. <laughs> yeah, go get me some go get me some booze. Go get me something. You can beat up this kid. Actually, you know what? Actually, you know what? Like if I if if you had a job to do and it was your big breakthrough, Kennedy, like you're in the clout game. Like let's say you're getting a big interview and some kid <laughs> keeps fucking it up, like just is fucking up your career goals or whatever. And they do it like 18 Don't times. Make me in. In I'm a not row. gonna answer this question, Brandon. <laughs> like, imagine, imagine if a seven-year-old like like blocks you. Yes, I've got you. I'm gonna give you a swirly now. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> I got you, little motherfucker. Um, but then uh, you know, of course, it's like it's like this is typical. Like, um, um, I'm not necessarily the smartest villain shit because it's like he's got Jason's morpher and it just keeps dangling in front of him. He's like, ah, just do you thing, want yeah. your morpher, Jason? Ah. It's to destroy. <laughs> I like it. It's a psychological game. It's a psychological what game. If, yeah. All right. What if? What if the kid, the seven year old kid? Was oh canceling my you with like tweets oh my or whatever God. dunking on you. <laughs> and you got <laughs> And you got the kid's phone. I've got your like, cell phone, <laughs> Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Send some tweets now, you little bitch. I'm gonna Go screenshot ahead. all the texts you were sending to your girlfriend and send them to your mom. Goldar's just right. tweeting from Jason's account anti-Semitic stuff. You know, just just <laughs> You're gonna get canceled, Jason. Oh fuck, bro. I'm I'm Team Goldar. I don't know what to say. When you put it in real terms that people can relate to, you're like Goldar. Not wrong. Wrong. Not sure. 
Zach and Kimberly get worried about where Jason is and start taking their uh, Ghostbusters car back to the command center to meet up with uh, Trini and Billy. And they're trying to figure out, still trying to figure out how to pick up Zordon, except now no one's seen Jason. And uh, it cuts Sorry. back to Jason uh, fighting Goldar. You know, Goldar is just fucking, Goldar is just like, come on, dude. Fucking come at me. Try. Fucking try. And like Jason gets a kick on Goldar and Goldar just like moves back like two feet and he's like, is that the best you've got? <laughs> and just like fucking choke slams him and shit. It's great. <laughs> you really feel like, like Jason kind of sells the acting here because Jason's like, they're telling Jason, like Jason, like the actor, they're telling him, they're like, yo, like your life is like on the line here. You need to sell this performance. Like not only for your job, but the character has to be scared for his life too. Yeah. So you got to be scared for your life and portray that. And it does seem like that you have that feeling in the back of your head. Like, no, Jason might actually just get axed. Like, that might just be it for Jason. Yeah, maybe Tommy's in charge after this. You know, you don't know. Like, it, it's like you, you really feel like the stakes are that high for sure. And so Rita then sends the Green Ranger out uh, to go terrorize Angel Grove. And Billy, Zach, Kimberly, and Trini then morph up and uh, go to fight Tommy to no avail. Yeah, I mean, they like, got their asses beat last. This is, but this is, again, this is part of what I was talking about in terms of, like, the really quality storytelling here. If you want to talk about some Joseph Campbell shit, it's like, we're in the belly of the motherfucking whale right now. Jace, it's like, like I was saying, we end the last episode, all right, the command center's fucked up. Can't get in touch with Zordon. Rita's messing shit up. The Green Ranger keeps kicking our ass. All right? So where are we at right now? Nothing has changed for the better. It's even and worse. Jason is fucking gone. Right. What is happening? <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> First of all, the Green Ranger completely disrespects the, the other Power Rangers. He's just putting his feet on them. He's just kicking them in the chest two at a time. Just treating them like, like fucking background kung fu movie fucking goons. He's just fucking styling all over him. My man's magic spells is like off the chart. <laughs> like he's able to channel lightning through his sword into the ground and just fucking channel the electricity all the way to the rangers and cause an explosion. Just fucking murking them. And then like... He already rocked you last time and now he has a magic sword. Yeah. Also. And not only that, but like... This is where we kind of get into the feelings of like maybe Super Sentai goes overboard with their response to shit all the time. <laughs> and it like becomes a meme because their response to like getting fucked up by Tommy is to call upon the Zords. They don't know what else to do. It's like this dude is beating their asses. So they're just like, let's get the robot. I don't know. Let's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, um, and it, this is interesting because we discover that they're capable of forming the Megazord without Jason being there, um, which is kind of a, it, that it, like, it, like that did, was kind of an interesting that. little detail. Yeah. And it's actually like, that's not per se like a error. That's like kind of an intentional little cookie crumb that like relates to some things that happen in episodes after this, you know? So like uh, that, that was kind of like a little interesting moment. Um, interesting. And uh, yeah, so it's like they form the Megazord and they're like, all right, we'll just like step on you if we have to or whatever, I guess. 
And, and Tommy's like, okay, peace. And just, like, takes off. But, but before he goes, like, he sends, like, a, a lightning bolt at the fucking Megazord. And the Megazord puts up the Mastodon shield. Yeah. Which is sick as fuck. And it reflects back at him. And he's like, oh, fuck. And Rita's like, retreat. But he's like, and, you know, pulls him back. He's like, this is like, this is like a, like a, like an eight-year-old, like, trying to fight, like, a Mack truck. But, like, the first punch is actually pretty solid. And you're like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's like he's just like this little dude down on the ground. And what's his response to the Megazord? Not I should get instantly out of here. It's like I, I'm going to try to fight you anyway. And then after he sees that he can't, he's like, OK, all right, I'll come back. But like, <laughs> God, so good. So um, so basically, like episode two of Green with Evil ends. And more or less, it's like, so they're back at the command center, and things are just worse than ever. Jason is still captive. Goldar is just still harassing the shit out of him and, like, breaking him down psychologically. Jason is now hiding. Jason is da- getting low. Jason's in the midst. Well, he's not quite to like, full like hiding yet at the end of the episode, but the yeah, he's starting to, like, he's starting to not really want to be in this fight. Like, yeah, he's fading. Yeah, he's like, shit, I'm actually gonna fucking die. And Goldar takes out the sword and he's like, alright, say your fucking prayers. We're about to we're about to do some mercy killing here. And then the episode just says, to be continued. Right, it just, it just ends <laughs> yep. again. Like, the kids, the, yep. the four that are still not trapped in a dark dimension, you know, are just like, they're back at the command center, and it's just like, Zordon's still fucked. We don't know where Jason is. We barely beat Tommy this time by, like, the skin of our teeth. What the shit? Like, it's just like everything has just continued to get worse. And then we find ourselves in episode three. And episode three opens with, like, Jason and Goldar are, like, still fucking around. Like, basically, like, nothing has really changed. Like, the kids are also at the command center still, like, relatively confused. Although, at this point, they're like, maybe we could get... Maybe we could get in touch with Zordon. Maybe it's possible. Like, they're, like, starting to figure out maybe how to, like, fix the situation a little tiny bit at the start of episode three. But, like, again, like, the Jason Goldar situation is super bad. And this is where Jason is just, like, he's now just, like, hiding in the fog, like you were saying, Brandon. Like, he's just, like, 100% just, like, trying to avoid death at all costs. And, like, everything just seems, like, kind of worse around town. Like, Bulk and Skull are throwing their weight around. Like, Tommy's being a shit all the time. And then where it really gets interesting... I'm not gonna lie, dude. Like, the way Tommy acted... The way Tommy acted towards Kimberly felt so genuine in terms of, like, how high schoolers talk when they when they don't like you. Yeah. Where it's, like... It's one of those situations where somebody heard you were talking shit about them, and so they're just treating you like shit. And they never confront you on it or whatever, but they're just like, fuck you, you know, whatever. Or, it's so I'm genuine. I'm going to be really, really real. And I bet both of y'all can relate to this somewhat. <laughs> this kind of feels like when you're the poor kid, which I was a lot, uh, basically uh, always, <laughs> at school. And, like, you know, one of the, like, rich kids is, like, kind of trying to be nice to you. And you're like, go fuck yourself. You rich kids, you know, you always, like, play with people like me you know screw you like that's how i felt like watching tommy in that scene you know like he's just like he's just like nah like i'm not i'm not in the same i'm not in the same world as you basically is like how he treats her 
Rita, they're fall. They're kind of like they're not really like intentionally following Tommy a hundred percent, but they're kind of like scoping Tommy a little bit. Um, and like, uh, Rita sends some putties after them, and Tommy kind of disappears. And they're like, "Why didn't the putties fight Tommy?" And it's like this is the first clue that they're getting. They haven't had any clues yet. Like we know as the audience, but they, the the Rangers haven't had any clues yet that it's Tommy. And this is the first time it's like Zach and Kimberly are like fighting these putties. Um, and they're like, we just saw Tommy up that hill. Why didn't the putties chase him? You know, because like normally the putties just go after basically anyone and everyone. Right. Like, so it's very like there's this, like this little bit of suspiciousness. Right. Like we've never seen anything quite like that before. Yeah. And in the meantime, like Rita has revived a, I guess, just one of her servants called Scorpina. And Scorpina uh, is supposed to be like a scorpion. But the way they introduce her is really weird because she never comes out of like the giant dung boulder that she's supposed to be in. She just kind of like morphs on screen from like dung boulder to just person in a scorpion outfit. And I can save her. <laughs> okay i'm I'm glad that scorpina is asian you gotta have you gotta pass things down you gotta have <laughs> um i didn't know that scorpina spoke english at first because there's a very odd segment where like the goons are like so what about scorpina is it true scorpina's back yeah scorpina's really rat she's really scary she's got a scorpion and it stings people you remember when she stung somebody with the scorpion oh that was really painful <laughs> Um, stay away from her. She's really crazy. And then the camera cuts to Scorpina and she looks in the camera. She's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after the putty fight with uh, Kimberly and Zach, it cuts back to Goldar basically toying with Jason again. And then Goldar then gets replaced by Tommy, who's the Green Ranger. And of course, you know, he's in his Green Ranger outfit. So he hasn't revealed his identity yet. And he's basically doing this one-on-one -on -one with Jason. And I'm just like, Jason, dude, stop. But he keeps trying to, like, fight Tommy. And, uh, you know, he doesn't give up. The other Rangers are trying to figure out, like, what the fuck's going on. Um, they still haven't gotten a clue as to how to figure it. Billy is still working on the command center. And right. Tommy's got Jason on the fucking ropes. He's got, like, the sword, the evil sword of darkness out. He's pulling out all the stops. He is just demoralizing Jason the whole Again, time. Again, like, I mean... Jason couldn't beat Tommy when, like, Tommy didn't have these powers, you know? So, like, this is, like, a completely unfair fight, and it, you can feel it, you know? Because, like, you know, he's morphed into the Green Ranger, so it's, like, there's just no chance. But what happens is that, as I mentioned, like, the, the kids in this episode, like, they're just starting to, like, get things back online at the command center a little bit. And so Billy's like, hey, I think we can use our, our uh, teleporters again. And I think I can teleport Jason here from wherever he is. Um, and like, right as you're just feeling like this guy is about to die. Like Tommy's about to die. Or sorry, Jason's about to, Jason's about to die. Uh, Billy locks onto him and morphs him out of there. And Jason's just like, he just like, arrives at the command center and it's just like sh sh totally shell-shocked. The man shook. was about to fucking die. Like, had it been like five seconds later, Jason, they would have sent back a corpse. Like, that's what would have happened. 
Jason would bleed out in front of Billy. Yeah, it's wild. It's super wild. So And Jason's like, yeah, man, it was fucked up, man. They they almost got me. And Jason starts to give the story. Scorpina. Uh Goldar. Yeah, Scorpina and Goldar start wrecking shit in the city. Uh Scorpina's doing some fucking baller ass Wait. Moves. Wait, do, I think Goldar and and Tommy have their confrontation first. Or, oh yeah, you know. no, I th- I think they do. Where Goldar is like, "Why did you fuck this up?" Goldar dogs him out, like talking about you had time to dispose of of Jason, and it's like, bro, so did you. You spent all of you spent a whole episode just <laughs> waving the morpher in front of him and shit, and giving and uh, just clearly giving Tommy some shit just to knock him yeah. down in the hierarchy because like Goldar is worried that if if Tommy is too successful then it'll replace Goldar as the number one yeah that that subplot is never really fully stated but you can feel it in so many of their interactions so Goldar is just exaggerating some shit like you failed <laughs> and like look at the tape bro like look at the footage bro look at the look at the damage bro Look at the judges' cards, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm whipping his ass. But Goldar makes a big deal of it. It's just like you must stay here imprisoned while I get the glory for finishing the Power Rangers. And then Goldar leaves, and the Green Rangers like this. Yeah, uh, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy lays in the cut. He's laying in the cut. Um, and uh, he's just, yeah. he's just training by himself. And then the episode ends, and we cut into. The best episode. In my eyes, this is the best episode of the whole season. Green with Evil Part 4 is like, if you sh- if you asked anybody, like if you told anybody, yo, you should watch Power Rangers, and they go, what, why? Why should I watch this 90s kids show? I would straight up show them Green with Evil Part 4. You don't even need to show them the other parts. In fact, it might even be better in a vacuum. Um, because you don't know who the Green Ranger is if you just watch part four on its own until the very end. And uh, yeah, like it's like super high prestige television here. This is the best episode of season one. It's very good. I will say, though, there are goofy aspects to it still because it is a kid's show and we'll get into that. But yes, it is very good. So basically, episode three ends like these episodes are all like they kind of follow a formula where it's like they always just kind of end back at the command center and it's kind of like a little recappy so it's like they found jason they had to pretty much immediately go fight scorpina a little it was kind of an inconclusive fight um they're back at the command center and they're just like damn we haven't really like we did get jason back but we haven't really made any other significant progress for the most part like the command center is like doing a little better but like yeah they have another like garbled conversation with zordon but it's like they still can't really get like full community it's like they're not really getting anything out of these so episode four opens and it's like shit's still just pretty bad overall like um like the green ranger still status is still kicking their ass regularly you know zordon's status is still missing things are bad and now Rita is like Rita's like bad, I, folks. I like there's been this escalation where she just keeps giving Tommy more power so far and like that has is like culminating with like here's the dragon zord motherfucker this could fuck anything up you could kill anyone any wizard any any monster any <laughs> robot <laughs> like you've got it yeah and uh 
basically at this point, um, Scorpina and Goldar are again like launched into battle, right? They're launched into Angel Grove and they're they're being all like, hey, we're fucking shit up. And it causes earthquakes. And it my my wife, like I'm re-watching this with my wife, and my wife goes, Hey, is this what happened when 9-11 hit? Like when when <laughs> when the planes crashed into the World Trade Center. Did the people who were in the other boroughs that were unaffected just watch the TV and just go, man, this fucking sucks. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, people were kind of just like, shit, man, like this really fucking blows. How is Bush going to react? And uh, yeah, this is one of those moments where they're like, how are the Power Rangers going to react to this? Um, and earthquake tremors start hitting up the gym and juice bar that's also the youth center. Real quick, before we get into all that, because like Vulcan Sculler going to take up a lot of this part of our talk. I just want to say uh, one critical thing that happens is like up until now, um, like the command center has been like having power fluctuations. Things haven't always been working. Their communicators have been in and out, all this stuff. Like at the beginning of episode four, one important thing is like, like Billy has been continuing to just like plug away at trying to fix things. And he finally makes real progress. He doesn't get Zordon back, but the command center is now like running stronger. Alpha's like in good shape. Like a lot of things have improved somewhat um, on, on that front. So it's like they are making some strides at the beginning of episode four. But at the same time, um, like that's also coming at like the consequences are feeling realer and realer and realer at this moment also. Yeah, and, like, Goldar, th the thing is, is that Rita has, like, three really strong people under her, right? She has Goldar, she has Scorpina, and she has the Green Ranger. So she's able to individually cause enough havoc with just one of them to be a distraction. And it's effective, because she sends Goldar out to wreck shit at the town. She megasizes Goldar. Scorpina has the Rangers, like, pretty much... When the, when the rangers are on the ground and not, like, trying to go into Zords and shit, um, Scorpina's already wrecking shit against them, and they're without Jason still. So not only are they distracted, but the Green Ranger still has access to the command center. So the Green Ranger comes into the command center to just re-fuck up shit again. <laughs> Alpha that 5's was, like, well, no, fuck you. <laughs> that yeah. was so funny. I mean, yeah, so, like, they're doing all this fighting. Things are getting out of control. As... As Grab was mentioning, like, Bulk and Skull get scared, like, which is, like, a whole thing where it's, like, these guys, like, they look like fools a lot, but they rarely look, like, truly terrified. And, like, they're, like, they're, like, oh, shit, like, the town's gonna, like, <laughs> fucking get fucked up or something. Like, we might have to leave town, like, you know? Um, and Also, despite the fact that it's, like, the worst situation imaginable and the world might come to an end. They still have the same music. And even if it's really dramatic, they'll play the dramatic music. And when when they show Bulk and Skull, they'll just play under it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like, it, never it, goes it feels real, right? Because Skull really sells it. Like, Skull yeah. is like, I have this impending sense of doom. Where if I don't get the fuck out of here right now, I'm going to die. And Bulk's just like, bro, let me finish my fucking ice cream first. And the 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 ground shakes enough to the point where, like, metal beams start coming down. He's like, oh, shit, let's go. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they go inside this bus <laughs> uh, that 
Bulk is like, dude, just get inside the bus. It's the best way to escape. We can like really put some miles here between us and like Goldar. And none of them have driver's licenses. Neither of them know how to drive. But they're just like, shit, we'll chance it. And uh, Skull ends up driving them out of there. Yeah, and so like that leads to them kind of being ending up being a pawn in the fight. And so again, like this this whole fight thing, uh, like like we're saying, it's like Rita's just hitting the Power Rangers on every front she can. If they're on the ground, Scorpion is fighting them. If they're in the Zord, Goldar is fighting them. And now, like Rita has like Bulk and Skull in this bus and is gonna like shove them off a cliff and like like captures them and like makes them her pawns too. So it's like she's just like fucking with them on every level. These are just looking like really bad overall and while that's going on like you mentioned okay so what is the green ranger up to he's like i still have access to the command center you dumbasses <laughs> like you didn't do anything you know now for sure that this is like an active problem and you still didn't do any security so so green ranger shows back up at the command center while they're trying to like manage like seven fights at once um, and what it's like, he's like, I'm going to screw everything up at the command center again. Ha ha ha. Y'all should have learned your lesson. But someone did learn their lesson. And that's Alpha 5. Who like. Important character development for Alpha it 5. Actually, unironically, this is a really important moment for Alpha 5, like developing a little bit of character. He's always been like just a dorkus for the most part. And like there was one moment in this arc where like Billy is trying to repair the computer and Alpha 5 is like, ay, 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 ay. And Zach is all like, come on, Alpha. Like Billy's trying to work. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 like, like that's how bad Alpha is a lot of the time. Like he can be kind of counterproductive. But Green Ranger disables him again, but he doesn't do it the exact same way. He just like pulls like a power thing out of him. Um, but Alpha 5 has a backup generator that, like, kicks in. So Alpha waits till the right moment. And then he's like, ha-ha, my backup power is on. And he presses this button and, like, puts Tommy in a force field and, like, captures him. And he's like, what? How could I be tricked? And so he's sort of contained for the moment. And while he's doing that, Alpha 5 is like, this is like, he, he's like, he's like I, I, not only did I trick you, put you in a field but now i'm scanning your dna or whatever and i'm gonna figure out who you are motherfucker <laughs> like it's like an absolute like it's like a it's like an incredible it's like a case closed or like a jojo's bizarre adventure like you thought you had the plans but i saw through all of your plans and made other plans while you were making plans and my plans were so much better than your plans <laughs> like like yeah, this is like a 20k poster getting owned by someone whose account has like 300 followers. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to eat shit. You literally just have to eat shit. You're just a corn cob now. And 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 Tommy is like he is like what the fuck? How did this happen to me? I cannot believe that this happened to me. Holy shit. Uh it's just like a really great it's just a really great moment. Um but uh, while, um, you know, the Power Rangers, like, continue to, like, do all this fighting. Oh, and Rita had this whole plan with a spell, because apparently the Megazord is, like, partially solar-powered. Like, this is a very confusing subject to some extent. Yes. It's so uh, 90s. And, and, and the Megazord 
the Megazord does not it is have solar power. This is like a green. It is like a green New Deal AOCs robot. AOC AOC give AOC a Megazord. AOC made the rules for this robot, and it only works when the sun is out. Green energy forever. So Rita blocks out the sun. And, like, the Megazord just, like, kind of, like, starts toppling over and shit. Yeah, it's on reserve power. It consumes a lot of electricity, man. Yeah. Jason's like, we need Megazord power now. Because <laughs> that's what Jason so, says. Yeah, and the whole reason why they got called into action for the Megazord was because Goldar took the bus uh, that had Bulk and Skull in it and was playing with it. And Goldar announces to right. all of Angel Grove... Power Rangers, I have your friends, Bulk and Skull. And I'm like, yo, you're fucking doxing right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Right. And everybody right. just like completely, everybody just completely like ignores it. Forgets about yeah. this moment. But yeah, man, you have to think in like Bulk and Skull's head, they're like, we're friends with the Power Rangers? We don't have they're any so friends. They're so stupid that it would never occur to them. They would just think, they just, they just, Goldar just assumed that I was, since I was so good looking, that I was friends to the Power Rangers. I'm a natural leader. Yeah, that's right, Bulk. And that's all they'll fucking, their brain doesn't operate on that level. You know, naturally, the Power Rangers are pretty badass. So even once Rita casts the, like, block out the sun spell, like, they're still going toe to toe with Goldar and Scorpina, who has also now finally grown big in the Megazord. With on on reserve power, like they're like nah nah, we're still fighting. We're still we're, we out here, you know. Like they're just yeah, they're they're truly like, fighting to the death here. Uh, Scorpina has like a Zarbon level of transformation where she looks like a normal person uh, when she's not super huge, but then she has like this Zarbon moment where she just transforms into like this scorpion monster. That's just ugly, but her power level has raised by, like, ten times. Yeah. Um, and so they're, like, doing their best, but Rita realizes that Tommy is captured at the command center. And she's like, oh, well, I need some help over here with this battle, maybe. I'll just pull you out. Boom. So um, Alpha 5 doesn't get to keep him, unfortunately. And he's, like, kind of like, no. And he's not sure if he got the match on his identity, you know. Um, but uh, <laughs> this is kind of a funny part because... Rita's been hinting at giving him the dragon sword, but instead of doing that in this scene, she just makes Tommy big, <laughs> um, which is really funny to me. <laughs> and like one of the goofiest parts of an otherwise really great episode. Like, it's just like huge green yes. ranger. <laughs> yeah. And um, the, the, the funniest part about this is like the green ranger. This is actually the better option. Because he has full mobility when he's gigantic. It's like a dex build in Dark Souls. You know, like <laughs> Megazord is like complete strength or whatever. And Tommy's out here like fucking dodge roll mechanics. Just pressing the B button like, you trying to hit me, bro? You can't do it. Plus, I got the evil sword of darkness. And the Megazord is just getting fucked up, dude. Scorpina. You got Scorpina, you got Goldar, you got gigantic Green Ranger, and they're just like fucking gangbanging this And the this sun, fucker. the sun is blocked out. So again, the yeah. Megazord does not what? even have full power. So there's just really no hope. So what happens is once again the Power Rangers get thrown out of the Megazord, and then to their horror, 
the Zords get like sucked into the earth and like apparently destroyed. So they're just like, yeah. um, what the fuck? Like they have no, they're like, they had no idea. It's like game over. Yeah. Like it's like yeah. game over. They literally say some stuff about how like we needed them and like they were always there for us when we needed their power and like now they're gone. Like, like, like they just like, they seem to have no idea what to do when they get back to the command center. And then what's great is, like, episode five basically opens with, they're at the command center first, but then, like, it's, like, it cuts to the gym, gym and juice bar. And I know I'm, like, leaving something important out, but I just want to reference this first. Because it cuts to the gym and juice bar, and everybody's, like, watching the TV, and it's, like, 9-11 is happening. Like, they're all just, like, sitting there just, like, holy shit, the city's being destroyed. We're all going to die, maybe. And, like, they all just are, like, they're just look, they all just look, like, totally fucked up. And, like... Some people are like, maybe the Power Rangers will stop them. And it's just like this really grim scene. But before that happens, more importantly, they're at the command center. And finally, at last, it, Alpha's ploy to figure out who the Green Ranger was has worked. And so this kind of happens at the end of episode four, beginning of episode five. Um, this is like the big reveal that bridges those two episodes. Um, and like, it's Tommy. Now the Power Rangers know. Um, why? I don't know, like, that they really needed this information to defeat him, but it's, but it's so dramatic. It doesn't matter. Like, what what was the alternative here? You know what I'm saying? Because, like, if they did guess it was Tommy and Tommy was just being an angsty teenager, like all high schoolers are, they fucked up. You know what I'm saying? So it's like when they do make that decision, they have to be. Rangers, (laughs) you have committed police brutality. Yeah, like. They have to come. They have to do this with a hundred percent certainty. So, like, I kind of get yeah, it, you know. They, yeah. And it's to say, like, hey, they gave him the benefit of the doubt, you know. For sure, for sure. Like, they, they, they really legitimately didn't necessarily think it was him. They just thought that, like, one of the many things going wrong in their life was that Tommy was being a huge dick, you know. Like, <laughs> and that's just on the list. And it's not necessarily related to anything else, but it's like, no, it relates to everything else. And so, of course, Kimberly immediately goes to confront Tommy because she's thirsty. Yo, and, yo, um, Kimberly, bro. I mean, how are you guys so how are you guys so surprised that it was Tommy considering like, you know, no other people. But anyway, Kimberly, <laughs> with the power move, she goes to she goes straight to Tommy uh, to the juice bar. And the juice bar, of course, just has a gym in it. So, like, you can just get juice and fucking do curls. And that's considered normal for the kids back then. Um, And Kimberly just walks up and is like, I know, Tommy, I know you're the Green Ranger. Like, no bullshit. It's amazing. And Tommy, yeah. And Tommy's like, well then, Pink Ranger. And then Kimberly is completely shocked. How does he know who I am? Well, I don't know if it's entirely just shocked that he knows, but also I think it's partially like they've really done a lot to keep their identities a secret, you know, and it's kind of like just like you're just going to call me out like you're just going to do like even and it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of funny because it might sound like this scene is almost badly written, but it's actually brilliant. I promise. Like, (laughs) like it's such a good confrontation. He's like, I got to serve my empress. And, And she's like, we can break the spell. And he's like, I don't care. And he takes off. And so right after that, Rita's like, all right, let's let's uh, let's bust the dragon sword out. And she summons it out of the fucking ocean. And it just it's like it's like not even being controlled by anyone. It just starts destroying things 
Like, like the introduction of the dragon sword is legitimately super well done. It's so good. Like super well done. Like the mix of like real scale shit and miniatures and stock footage and like pr- there's so so much use of the like, drill tail. The music too. The music. Basically, the whole time that Power Rangers is going as a show, there's just, like, this, like, constant speed metal. But, like, occasionally they put these, like, variations on it. And, like, when, when like, the, the Dragon Zord is coming out of the ocean, it's just, like, so much more epic than usual. <laughs> yeah, and then the Green Ranger's all like, all right, time to fuck shit up. Let's go. I got my fucking gift. And he starts entering the Dragon Zord. One of the crazy things is, like, he doesn't even, like, get in, like, the cockpit right away. He, like, rides around on it and shit. Like, he's just, like... Yes. And he, he rides around on it. The, the fucking dragon sword picks up a smokestack and then bites it. Just like, ah, I'm ready for, you know, just ready for the fight. Ready for the next showdown. Just... Just I guess it's it. because it's he's supposed to be, like, a dragon rider, you know? I think that's the concept. Yeah. Like, he's riding a dragon, so essentially he would just ride on top of their sol- the, the shoulders. I think the reason why the Dragon Zord footage in general is so great is probably because they've already done this style of footage before time and time again with Godzilla. Yeah. It's like they have a frame of reference. Yeah. It's a show that's one-third teen drama and one-third a kung fu show and one-third Godzilla. Yes. Uh, and so, of course, kids liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the fact that um, everything that Rita is bringing up is from 10,000 years ago, right? Like, the Dragon Sword hasn't been seen in 10,000 years. Scorpina, 10,000 years ago. You know, like, the all of this stuff, like, all of these things were, 10, 000, were like, stuff that happened 10,000 years ago that Rita used in her, in her ensemble, you know? And I feel like I want to see... A movie. I want to see a movie that takes place 10,000 years ago with the war between Zordon and Rita back then and Zordon imprisoning Rita in the dumpster. I'm going to give you the Hemingway answer, though, and say you don't even need to because it's like the past never moved on. That's the whole thing. Like, it's nothing has for Rita. Nothing. She was literally sealed in the ground. So literally nothing changed for her. So nothing has changed. But it, it, but it's like she's bringing up this ancient beef that everybody's like, what is, what is all this stuff? What are you talking about? Like she's like, ha ha, remember Scorpina? And everyone's like, no, um, you know, like. <laughs> so it's really great. It's really great. So, so Kimberly gets back to the other Rangers, and she's like, I, I confronted Tommy. Is a hundred percent. Is a hundred. We already knew, but it's a hundred and fifty percent him. Just in case you had any doubts, um, and uh, we we gotta we gotta do something about all of this, basically. Um, and that leads to them like discovering, oh shit, the dragon zords fucking shit up. So then they're out there fighting, and like, you know, try. Well, they're like out in the city, like kind of trying to figure out what to do because again, like their megazords are maybe gone. So there's like this moment of tension where like. What are we doing? What What's our plan? Of course, everyone who's ever, like, watched the show knows the Dragon Zord flute theme. Like, you, no matter how many oh. years pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we kind of, like, glossed over this. But, like, he has a flute that's a dagger that yes. sounds like a <laughs> trumpet. 
Yeah, they probably were like, a flute doesn't sound masculine enough to sell toys. So the flute has to be a trumpet. Yeah, it's, it's like got to be a horn. An ocarina. A strong, yes. muscular horn. <laughs> strong, muscular horn. So he plays it, and it's da, 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 da. And it, you know, shows up, and it goes, <laughs> And he plays it in all different sorts of variations, too. He's yes. like, no, you've got to work harder. And he's like, like even louder yeah. and faster or whatever. I, I just want to say, too, like, uh, while we're just praising the dragon zord and how cool it is, um, the zords always like seem to exhibit these like small amounts of personality themselves like they're they are not just like these tools that you use they are like these things that have like a little bit of character and like their own sort of like things going on and the dragon sword especially just really seems to have these like sassy and like sort of interesting characteristics that really shine through all the time <laughs> so they're like what are we gonna do and but like it's like the good news is okay first of all Zordon comes back and he's like back back he's no longer garbled Zordon because it's like we go from Zordon is like garbled through most of this arc and then at the lowest point when like Tommy comes to fuck up the command center the second time it's like there's just no Zordon so it's like but now it's like he's back back there's no question and Zordon just has mystical powers to the point where he can revive mechanical beings from inside lava and just have them reborn again. Yep. So I, they use the same footage of like destruction, but I think they play it in reverse. <laughs> it seems like that, yeah. Or something, yeah. And so like now it's the Megazord versus the Dragon Zord now instead of Giant Tommy. It's infinitely inferior though. As the pterodactyl is coming in, uh, Kimberly is like, pterodactyl looking good. And the pterodactyl is like, it's so it's, it's great. So fucking it's so funny. great. Um, and and they even like they get teleported, like over to where their Zords are. Like the Zords call them to them. It's like a whole thing, you know. Like it's that's pretty cool. Like in terms of just like you know demonstrating that there's like this sort of bond between them and the Zords, and it's like this is this is a mystical bond that goes way beyond. This is not just like a motorcycle that you own or something, you know, <laughs> like. And, like, you, you haven't necessarily gotten that impression fully before. Yeah, and the fight ends up escalating to a point where it's, like, a tie between the two, and they both kind of collapse, and then it's just Jason versus Tommy, but they're fully morphed up, and they've got both their swords on them. So we're treated to, like, a really good fight that doesn't seem one-sided and feel like holding back because it's the Japanese footage. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, um and the Red Ranger gets the upper hand and was able to zap away the evil sort of darkness breaking well, the spell. Well, it's the sword. And so it's Tommy the sword. is it's now like sword. Um because that was the thing. The yeah. sword is what like bound him to be fully under Rita's control more or less forever. And so yeah, it is really it's a great thing like like way to keep the fight going too from like a storytelling perspective it's like they they seem like they've kind of got him on the ropes and the zords slightly and it's like so we go to the ground and now who's gonna win you know but amazingly jason kind of pulls out some unexpected moves he like turns his sword into a lightsaber and like throws it and like like just does some stuff that like you're like i didn't know any of this was coming and then he like he pulls out the little Power Rangers, like, stock issue pistol that you get when you become a Power Ranger, and he just zaps the sword, gone. And as soon as he zaps the sword, gone, it's over. 
for that spell. And Tommy's like, he comes out of it and he's just like, he's, he's almost horrified, you know? I've killed thousands of people. I have like legitimately been the cause for the destruction of a large part of Angel Grove that must have a socialist government because that's there's no way they're they re-erecting those buildings. Stalin's within like they're, within like weeks. They're a dingus government. Actually. <laughs> it's a long, complicated thing. Xi Jinping is actually the mayor. Uh, it, I we we will get more into this as we get further into the series. But I would say Angel Grove, especially as it goes, it definitely feels like a command economy. I do want to talk about that more at some point. But Tommy comes out of this with like. A sort of like, holy shit, dude, like, I am responsible for a lot of death and destruction. And Jason just hand waves it all away. Jason saying, pulls dude, him right you back were mind control. You're mind control. Don't worry about it. Shit. It's a crazy business, man. We're in the anime <laughs> business, too. You're going to get you're going to see way weirder shit than this. Just roll with it. And man. he's also he's basically like, you want to make it right? Fight with the good guys. That's us. Like... <laughs> Yeah, and he offers out his handshake, and Zordon's like, "History is being made with the yeah, diplomacy. the prophecy Look at this, is coming Alpha. true, and all this <laughs> stuff." Like, and then suddenly, like in typical Zordon fashion, where like he's like he's just manipulating the shit out of these kids and never tells them anything. He doesn't absolutely have to. Um, he's like, "All right, now that you guys have the Green Ranger on your side, I'm gonna let you in on a secret. There's a there's a Megazord too." There's a, there, there's a second Zord right. you can make. You can put these things together in a different configuration and make a different Zord. And they're like, <laughs> So all the Zords except for Jason. They, he doesn't say that, but he just lists all the other Zords. I think, and leaves I think out the, the, the pterodactyl is also discluded. I think because the, the, the Tyrannosaurus is technically like the head yeah. and the pterodactyl is like the front yeah. plating. Yeah. So like yeah, you know it's kind of less important. But I will say uh, the the one of the main uh, sticking points that I like to say is that this all looks cool as shit. And I bet you Sabin was just like foaming at the mouth to sell these fucking toys, man. Oh like, god, it is so baller. They did a really smart move by setting like the literal standard of what looks right is the toy. Right. Like right. when yeah. you got those toys. Correct. You weren't like, oh man, this doesn't look as good because like the things that they were using, the real thing didn't was, look as good as the toy. Yeah, like, <laughs> like the it was like the things like, that they really? were using were literally almost exactly the same. Yeah, and the cool thing about this part that I think I, I failed to mention a little bit earlier was that because Zordon says the prophecy has been fulfilled, we don't really know what the prophecy was supposed to be, but because Rita has a power coin or had a power coin, or forged the power coin, or whatever. We don't know the origins of that power coin and how it came to be. So my understanding of it, like, is that sort of hints that Rita used to be a ranger maybe, for Zordon maybe. and betrayed him. We'll never, we'll never know. know. Necessarily. The conclusion is very satisfying. They pull out the new Megazord. Rita's like, I gotta get my troops out. It's over. We, I fuck. Would Rita have been the Green Ranger in that case? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Funny. Um, sure. so uh so the and that's like that's that's the end of it, right? Like it's like Tommy's on the team, they they go to the command center, they all go back to the command center, they put their hands in a they circle. all put their hands together, <laughs> they go, Yeah, yeah. Oh, Rangers, and they jump in the air. 
that's what we do at the end of every episode of our podcast. So we that was normal to us. We're used to just getting in the circle and yeah. It is a classic. Like that's a trope. Like that's a friendship trope that I think started here. Or at least Ooh. was like popularized yeah, by this. This is this was one of the first. I don't think it was the first. But we could look. I bet there's a TV tropes entry for, you know, everybody in a circle, hands together, uh, and then jumping. I feel like there's probably something from like an old sitcom sure, or something. But sure. You're you're close. You're on so, it. It's definitely it's definitely like the biggest like friendship trope. And it works so well here because it's like, wow, they're super triumphant like they were on the brink of total devastation like just the entire world is just gonna be subsumed by rita it is like a very triumphant moment as like and as a kid watching that you can just imagine like the rush you could feel from like watching something oh, yeah. like that of, like wow we did it we made Five it this episodes was awesome it took to beat all the all of these combined problems and threats like i mean it's really incredible so in conclusion do you do y'all have any final thoughts on like the just the green with evil arc and how it played out that you want to share? Grav? I think for me, in terms of green with evil, I think this is probably the best arc. It's kind of unfair, right? Because it's a five-parter when some of the other elongated arcs are just two-parters. Uh, there is one that happens later on in the season that I think kind of comes close to it, to how good it is. But for what it is, for the historical significance, it's like easily the best, the best thing to come out of this. My only gripe with it and why I wouldn't give it like a perfect 10 out of 10. I think part four, if you just showed someone Green with Evil part four standalone on its face, it's a 10 out of 10 episode. I think what really bogs down Green with Evil is episode two and three having too many scenes of Goldar playing with this food, essentially. Like, if they cut less to that and maybe, I don't know, just give me more fucking Tommy scenes. Um, <laughs> I would easily say, like, this is a 10 out of 10 arc. Um, as it stands, though, I think I would have to give it, like, a 9 or a 9.5. I have to take out a point for, for Goldar just playing with his food for too fucking long. And then complaining when somebody else did it. Hypocrisy. Yeah. That's what I can't stomach. Yeah. Grub, so before we get into my thoughts... um. Where does this rank in the history of power? Are there other arcs that are underrated that are almost this good or are this good? And you're like, man, I wish people really went back and thought about this arc too. I didn't get to mention it earlier, but I will say the only other historically significant moment that was like a fucking baller ass thing was Tommy becoming the White Ranger. Yeah. Uh, I think that was another surprise moment that everybody was like, holy shit, you know, like that was the second like biggest moment in like and 90s Power Rangers. I just want to say the green candle definitely deserves a shout out from this season. Like, and that's obviously that ties into what you're saying. But I just want to say that in particular is like, it's just a two parter, but it's really well done. The stakes are really high. The tension is very real. And it also like, it takes like, we've just through this arc that we described just like, like produced goku you know like this sort of like this guy who can defeat all problems and the green candle is like uh oh your new power friend is snatched away what do you do now um and it's like the first time they have to reckon with maybe we can't rely on the idea of always having you know tommy to save the day right like and to sort of like pull pull our asses out of the fire 
yeah it sort of defeats the the whole anime tropes right because the anime trope is always like the main character especially of the 90s shonen like the main character if the main character's not there everybody's just getting fucked up like all the time and it happens in power rangers too uh prior to tommy where jason will just disappear for an episode or something and they're like what the fuck do we do with jason nothing yeah. we just get our asses handed to us um after this they kind of like mature and develop ways to like combat that and in my eyes like you know you mentioned that the candle one i got it i got a shout out i think we'll we'll shout it out in a later episode and we'll talk about it extensively i think i liked um return of an old friend was good doomsday i felt was like fantastic yeah, yeah but I uh i think as it stands this is the this is high prestige television it saved the show and it is incredible, absolutely incredible what they did here. I, I, I think it, it's a fantastic arc and it's, it's one of the best. But like I said, uh, Goldar playing with this food uh, <laughs> yeah. really, really brought it down a notch. Um, Brandon, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, this was a great uh, little trip down memory lane. Because, uh, you know, you vaguely remember some of this stuff but when you go back and you rewatch it you you get extra little bits and pieces it was very it was a lot funnier than i remembered just from the corny moments of like the red book i cracked up yeah. laughing i like i think there was i as an older person i watched it and got like the unintentional comedy like why me after right. fighting the fucking alien horde um or the fucking music like there are certain things here that like a kid might not pick up on as being like fucking hilarious but that actually are, and I was able to pick up on a lot of those. So yeah, it, it was it was nice. Like I said, I think this is where they kind of, from a storytelling perspective, they really started to kind of get the stakes right in terms of like what made the show successful. Before now, a lot of the episodes, like problems kind of came and went quickly. Things would just sort of resolve themselves instantly. There wasn't a lot of feeling of like actual challenge a lot of the time. A lot of the challenges were more so just based on like sort of goofy circumstance and things like that there was a lot more just incongruousness and although there were a few moments where like they didn't bridge all the gaps of the story or this or that or do everything perfect in green with evil like they put in a lot more effort than they had before and it really shows in terms of like i said you really have that proper feeling of stakes continuing to escalate these problems that are hard to resolve needing to really like go through these like you know developments of character and story to resolve them and it's just it's just like it's pretty darn good storytelling and you can see why comparative to like watching some of the previous episodes you didn't really necessarily have a sense of like i need to keep watching because i need to find out more but watching this you're like i have to keep i have to get to the end of this arc and then even at its end it's like well i have to know more there's going to be so much more there's so many more mysteries now you know so I think it's just really, it was really incredible in that regard. And I'd have to give it strong ratings all the way around. Good stuff. Some behind the scenes information that I would like to mention is, is that we didn't originally plan to do this episode. You know, we are a weekly podcast. We typically put out one episode a week. Kennedy was really trying to stress to me. He was like, dude, we could probably do four or five episodes per season and I was like, I don't know, man. I don't think I have a lot to talk about when, with some of these episodes that we've watched. Like, I probably have, like, a paragraph and stuff to talk about. But this five-parter, he was like, 
come on, man, green with evil. And I was like, you know what? You're right. There is a lot to talk about with green with evil that kind of deserves its own episode. So props to props to Sabin and the Power Rangers team for pulling it <laughs> off so well that like they did this five parter that was so good that we had to do a completely separate episode just to cover. And yeah, uh, right. yeah I mean, it's really spectacular. And we've done it. It's been a great time. Yeah. Brandon, what would you like to plug? Project 50. That's going to be an all-day fundraiser. Friday, August uh, 28th. We're just going to be kicking it the entire day from 3 to 10 and probably a couple hours after. We're just going to be like raising some money, giving some relief. We're going to have fucking dance instructors. We're going to have live cooking. We're going to have uh, some rappers come through, do an interview. We're going to have a fucking hot sauce panel where we, we bring uh, semi-famous people that you know from the podcast and get them dosed up on hot sauce. Um, we're, we're fucking doing a whole lot of shit and you want to be involved with it. You want to watch Correct. and bring likes, bring, tell your friends who have too much money. You probably know one person, tell them <laughs> like, get on board and watch this and throw some money their way. We'll put the link in the description. Brandon, I want to thank you so much for coming on board. If you want to find Brandon on Twitter, he is at Brandon Buchanan. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I love it. I love doing it. And, uh, thank you for having me on to talk about the Power Rangers. I love it. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. It'll help other truthers find the club. And be sure to subscribe if you enjoyed the podcast. Our email for questions is sentitruther at gmail.com. You can follow Kennedy on Twitter at Kennedy T. Cooper, and you can follow me at Gravcast. As always, Rangers, may the power protect you.